Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 27. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, what a description, feigneth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of thy word, and we ask now thy blessing upon it and the preaching of it. We pray, dear God, that you'd open up our hearts to these wonderful truths found in this book of Isaiah. Lord, in the midst of your judgment and chastisement of your people, you give one of the greatest promises to be found in the Holy Writ. We pray, dear God, that we might learn something of it this morning. May we know and may we hear, not the voice of man, but the voice of God, speaking through your word to our hearts. Help us, dear God, we pray, that we might draw close to thee this morning, and that you might be honored and glorified in all that's said and done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. It was the psalmist, many believed to be David, who wrote in Psalm 139, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. Consider those words. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Psalm 139, 17, and 18. Whether he slept or when he was awake, his every thought, his every desire, and that which filled his heart every waking and sleeping moment of the day was God. And how precious his thoughts unto him were. Be thou my vision. O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that Thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, Thy presence my light. And yet, dearly beloved, our text reminds us how quickly we lose such divine impressions. Why sayest thou, O Jacob? And why speakest, and, or speakest, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. 
they complained and murmured not so much of their sufferings and afflictions, but more so that they believed God had forsaken and ignored them under their afflictions. My way is hid from the Lord and my judgment is passed over from my God. God has not noticed our sufferings. He doesn't undertake for our cause. He doesn't defend or deliver them. That's what they were murmuring and complaining of. Not so much of their afflictions, but the apparent appearance to them that God had forsaken them and had left them and has not defended them and has not protected them. It's not uncommon for a child of God to lose sight of God's divine purpose when afflictions like a dark veil hide His divine providence from our hearts and our minds. Even Job said, Behold, I go forward, but He's not there. And backward, but I perceive Him not. On the left hand, where He doth work, but I cannot behold Him. He hideth Himself on the right hand that I cannot see Him. Do you ever give much thought to those words of Job? Sometimes in a dark veil of God's dark providence, we have trouble understanding why and the circumstances surrounding it. And it's not so much that we're criticizing the circumstances, we're more troubled that God appears to be uninterested and disconcerned with my problems. Though God promised David a kingdom and swore he'd sit upon the throne, David at one time in his life cried out in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Even David, a man after God's own heart, was confused and baffled by God's dark providence. I am to be king, and yet I'm running like a beast in the wilderness, hiding in caves. Saul shall one day kill me, and God's promise shall not be fulfilled. And yet Scripture and our psalms and our hymns cry out with the same words of the hymn we sung, When darkness veils His loving face, I rest on His unchanging grace. Beloved, that's a lesson that not many believers learn after just a merely few years of Christianity. It's one that's learned by many hardships and trials. I'm amazed at the abundance of knowledge so many young Christians possess today, and yet they lack the wisdom of that knowledge. To merely quote Scripture does not mean to know and understand and believe in the dark providences of God. That's why this verse says, The young, even the youth, shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. His oath, His covenant, 
his blood. Support me in the whelming flood. Do you know what his oath is? Are you acquainted with his covenant? Do you know the power of his blood? The hymn that said it supports me in the overwhelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He, God, Christ, He then is all my hope and stay. Why? Because they've learned by experience that it's God and His promises that sustain them and not so much their circumstances. Beloved, be not quick to judge and criticize those who are wrestling under the dark providence of God, for who knows how we shall stand or fall. Therefore, Paul says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. But there's a lesson to be learned here. Like I said earlier, this blessed promise comes under God's greatest chastisement upon Israel. They're confused, they're bewildered, not at the circumstances, because they it appears as though God has forsaken them and left them. How does God answer such complaints and murmurings? Listen to what he says in verse 28. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Was this a divine rebuke for their ignorance of God? Or the tender chastisement of a loving father? I believe both could be correct. God is rebuking them and chastening them. How could you ask such questions? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The exercise of either chastisement or rebuke is the divine and sovereign right and prerogative of God, even our Father. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? He asked these questions as though that they might look deep into their own heart. Have you not known me? Have you not heard of me? Why do you ask such foolish questions? I love how God draws us to search the inward parts of our hearts and souls when we're confused. Look at what you know in your heart. Do you not know me? Show us the Father and we shall be content. Christ said, have you not seen me and not know the Father? Lovest thou me, Peter? How often God draws our attention back into our own hearts to say, examine your own heart and mind. What do you know about God? What do you genuinely know about God? What do you know about me? Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Look at Proverbs chapter 3. Very well-known verse, I'm sure, to all of us. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, 
He uses the word despise because that's what we're prone to do. Neither be weary of his correction. Don't get tired under it. Don't get faint under it. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation. Sounds like Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? And you have forgotten the exhortation. Listen to this. Which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers... Then are you bastards and not sons? Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profits, listen to this, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Praise God in His infinite wisdom. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby, unto them unto them which are exercised thereby. You see the, the encouragement to perseverance under chastising? Wherefore, lift up your hands which hang down in feeble knees. Such is the long-suffering mercy and grace of God in Christ Jesus that though we often be as forgetful and rebellious as ever, yet God dealeth with us as with sons. God dealeth with us as with sons. <laughs> hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Surely they had known. Surely they had heard. Yet how quickly do we let slip those things which we have heard? Hebrews chapter 2. Give earnest heed to let not those things slip which you have heard. The prophet in the Old Testament says we have hearts like bags with holes. We quickly lose those first impressions. It's not quite unlike the sower's seed in stony places, you remember? Who heareth the word, and anon with joy he receiveth it. Yet because he has no root in himself, he doeth for a while. But when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by, the Bible said he is offended. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Beloved, the trying of the believer's faith is precious not only because it refines and purifies our faith, but also, and we forget this part, 
but also because it burns away the draughts of hypocrisy and a feigned faith. We look always at the gold that's refined, but we don't realize the fire is also there to burn off the dross of the hypocrisy. We believe to know more than we actually believe. And the trying of our faith shows us the genuineness of our belief in God. When God puts us through the trial, it proves what we truly know about God. Not what we profess to know, but what we truly know about God. It reveals unto us not only our hypocrisy, but what little faith we have. It refines it. It purifies it. It strengthens it. But oh, I fear that most that is burned away is hypocrisy. And but little faith is left, but it's still little and it's still faith. Sometimes our knowledge of God exceeds what we truly believe in by faith. Thank God that He keeps us sincere and humble and honest before Him. We hear often in our prayer meetings here, God keep us from ourselves. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Isn't it amazing? Isn't that how God deals with His children? Do you know anything of this dealing of God in our own hearts when we're in trials that God, like I said before, would have us turn in to look upon ourselves, what we know about God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? What do you believe about me? Examine yourselves. Paul uses the same the same terms, examine yourself. Not examine Christ or what you know about Scripture. Examine yourself. Know ye not yourselves of Christ be in you? Look at yourself. And so God is doing the same principle here. He said, have you not heard? Have you not known? Have you not heard? What do you know about me? I believe there lies a twofold rebuke or chastisement in these words when God asks the question has thou not known has thou not heard I believe the first part of that is to those who have known and heard yet forgotten let slip you've heard you've known but you've forgotten Hebrew says it have you forgotten but I believe the second part of this is to those who give not the diligence to know and hear more clearly the things of God Listen closer to me, because I believe a, a many fall into the second. Those who give not the diligence to know and hear more clearly the things of God, you think, well, I don't have to give any. God automatically gives this to me. No, no. Someone said in prayer just a little while ago when he was praying about being slothful. I, I believe this rebuke is to both categories. Those who have heard. Those who have known and heard, yet forgotten, let it slip. And those who don't give the diligence to know more about God. Some of our greatest problems is because we're ignorant of God. We're ignorant of God's word. We're ignorant of God's dealings. We don't know enough about God. And God rebukes them for that. Both of them. Those that have heard, known and heard and forgot. And those who are not given diligence to know more about God. The prophet Uzziah made this statement. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of God. 
his oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the overwhelming flood. What is he talking about? What do you know about the oath? What oath is he talking about? What oath is the hymn that's talking about? You know, in one of these descriptions of getting ahead of myself, the everlasting God, you know what that God means? The everlasting God, that's Elohim, that's the covenant-keeping God. The everlasting covenant-keeping God. Israel knew about that covenant-keeping God. He knew about the covenant between Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the seed of Israel. They knew about the everlasting covenant of God with Israel. They knew what that was. So when the prophet says the everlasting God, Elohim, they knew immediately, oh yes, the covenant-keeping God. Do you know that our salvation, our redemption, is in a covenant between the Father and the Son? The covenant of redemption, the covenant of grace, theological terms, but biblical truths. The everlasting God, the Lord, he adds the Lord. You know what the Lord is there? Jehovah. Jehovah God. The Creator. I'm getting ahead of myself. But He's bringing them back to those things they knew and heard. Have you forgotten who I am? How could you ask such foolish questions? Again, I'm getting ahead of myself. They're looking at their circumstances, their problems, their afflictions, and they're trying to understand God. God says no. In the latter part of that verse, He said, He said, there's no searching of His understanding. Don't try to search my understanding. Just remember who I am. Most of the time, we're trying to figure out the why, the reason, the purpose. God in our text says, there's no searching my understanding. you just got to remember who I am. I am the everlasting God, Elohim, the covenant God. I am the Lord, sovereign. I'm the creator of all the earth. That's all you got to remember. You remember who I am? Many there be that know and forget. We let slip those things we know. Our problem is not is not knowing things that we don't know yet. Many of our problems come because we're not exercising, and don't misunderstand this statement, I know many will, but we're not exercising our faith in those things that we know to be true of God. We think we need to learn something more about God, something new about God in order to comfort us. No, we don't know enough about what we profess to know about God. Peter often said, these things are right unto you, though you know them, <laughs> and you're established in them. Christ said, even the Holy Spirit, part of his work is bringing to remembrance what I've told you. Oh, that shows the depravity of man. He's going to bring to remembrance what I've told you, but you didn't understand. Many things I, I need to tell you, but I can't tell you now, because you can't. but when he comes, he'll bring to your remembrance things I've already told you, but you forget. And then there's those who give no diligence to learn more. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Why a workman? Labor in the Word. We think sometimes studying the Word of God or studying God shouldn't be laborious. Oh, it's very laborious. Sometimes it can be very tedious. 
when God puts you and I in a situation in life that we don't understand, it's labor. It's labor to find out and seek out the Word of God. For which is the greater sin? To know and have heard, yet to forget? Or to be idle and slothful in growing in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Which is the greater sin? You remember the man with one talent? The others went out and made increase, and the Lord said, Blessed are you. The man with one talent went out and hid it. You know how the Lord described him? He said, you're wicked and slothful. He puts wicked and slothful in one sentence, which tells me God doesn't care for slothful. Look in the scriptures under slothful in Proverbs. It's not a good description. God does not like his people to be slothful and indifferent and idle. You labor. The kingdom of heaven is taken by force. Know what the Lord said? Why? My force. We'll look at what's opposing us. Hell, Satan, the world, our own lust. That's a battle. The prophet Hosea, speaking for the Lord, chapter 6, says, For I desired mercy, not sacrifice. Listen to this. And knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. I wanted you to know more about me than your burnt offerings. Proverbs 19.2 says also that the soul be without knowledge is not good. That the soul be without knowledge is not good. Prophet Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 4 says, Therefore I said, Surely these are poor. They are foolish. Why? For they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. He calls them poor and foolish, because they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. It's a foolish and sinful thing to be slothful in growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Most of our sorrows come about because we know not God. We've all heard of Thomas Brooks, I'm sure, the Puritan, in his work, Satan Devices, says this, and I quote, he says, Ignorance is the mother of mistake, the cause of trouble, error, and of terror. It is the highway to hell, and it makes a man both a prisoner and a slave to the devil at once. Ignorance unmans a man. It makes a man beast. Yea, makes him more miserable than the beast that perishes. There are none so easily nor so frequently taken in Satan's snares as ignorant souls. They are easily drawn to dance with the devil all day and to dream of supping with Christ at night. End of quote. Wonderful explanation. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? What is it that they should have known and should have heard? That the everlasting God. He doesn't even address their question. 
when they say, my way is hid from the Lord, my judgment is passed over from my God. He doesn't even address their questions. Remember, we ran into this a few texts ago when we was preaching in the New Testament. Sometimes God doesn't even take the time to answer the question. He just gives them the solution. He doesn't even answer the question. He didn't try to say, well, this is why this has happened. He didn't try to explain himself. He directs their hearts and minds and attentions to him. He said, what, what must you know and what must you hear? The everlasting God, Elohim, the Lord, Jehovah, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. Stop trying to find an understanding of something you'll never comprehend, and that is merely my ways. You've got to look to me, the everlasting God, the Father, the creator of all the ends of the earth, and stop trying to figure out my understanding. Beloved, if you've been in any trial in your life, and I'm sure we all have, isn't that usually the first thing we're looking for when we pray? God, why is this happening to me? What's the purpose or reason of this? And we begin examining our hearts. Have I sinned? Have I done a mistake? Have I rebelled against God? Is this a trying of my faith? And I'm not saying we shouldn't examine our hearts in such a fashion. Sometimes, if not often, it comes down to just realizing and understanding and believing who God is and not trying to search out His understanding. They were murmuring and complaining because of their persecuted and afflicting circumstances. But the prophet would direct their hearts and minds to consider God and His perfections. Look at what he does. Our ways are hid from the Lord. Our judgments are passed over from my God. I love my God. They ain't forgot who, who he is. It's still their God, my God. But they were complaining about their afflicting circumstances, but the prophet would have them look upon who God is and his perfections. He's the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of all the earth. It's almost like Peter who began to sink only when he considered the waves and the wind. Is it, is it you, Lord? Bid me come out. Come on, Peter. Lord walked out and says, all right. Lord, this is great. Ew, boy, look at the wind and the waves and the storm. And Man, that's a lot. And oh, he took his eyes off of him who walks upon the water. And he looked upon the storm and he began to sink and he cried out unto the Lord the same way. We do the same thing. We start looking at our circumstances and our troubles, the waves and the storms, and we begin to get frustrated. And that's human. That's natural. Yet that's not faith. So God says, Has you not, hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the heavens and earth, the creator of all the earth. He immediately cries on them to take their eyes off their circumstances and look to Him who causes, who produces, who is the origin of such things. What does that teach us? Well, it teaches us many things, but one thing it does teach us. When we, like the Israelites or like Peter, find ourselves in circumstances that are very troubling, 
persecution or affliction or whatever it might be. We have to begin with God. Never begin with yourself or your circumstances. We must always begin with God. That's man's problem. He begins with himself. Begin with God. My way. Isn't that what they said? My judgment. No, don't begin with yourself. Begin with God. It's always wrong to begin with ourselves. We'll always end up in confusion if we do begin with God. That's why God said there's no searching my understanding. You're looking in the wrong direction. You're trying to find out my understanding for all of this. You're never going to find it. Don't look to why I'm doing this. Look to me. The knowledge of his perfections, his promises, and his sovereign power will always shed light in our darkest hours. Always. You always look to God, not to the why. Are the purpose. If God feels the liberty to reveal unto us the why, amen to that. But we should always start with Him, not with the why. Look at verse 25 and 26. This is what they said. Look at that. Our Lord does this. To whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things? This is a fatherly chastisement and a rebuke. Lift up your eyes from the circumstances, what's going around, the affliction. Yes, I put you here. I created this. I'm the one that told you you're going to go into back captivity. I'm the one that told you I will bless you in captivity. You're not going to understand why I did that. You just need to lift up your eyes and look unto me. I've created this. I've created this, he says. I've created these things that bringeth out their their host by number. He calleth them by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one that faileth. Who are you going to compare me to? Who are you going to equal me to? Lift up your eyes on high. Later on in Isaiah 50, again, some of the greatest promises... Under the greatest afflictions, the prophet says in Isaiah 50.10, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, feareth the Lord, obeyeth the voice of his servant? That's another message. I think the church has forgotten how important the voice of his servant is. God speaks through his servants. If you don't listen. Anyway, who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Is that you? Well, let me tell you why all that's happened. No, he said, let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. <laughs> if you're doing all those things, which tells me if you're missing one of those things, you're going to have trouble trusting in the name of the Lord and staying upon your God. <sighs> but let him trust the Lord and stay upon his God. That's all he says. If, you're, if you fear the Lord, you obey the voice of the servant, you're walking in darkness, you have no light, Trust in the Lord and stay upon his God. Stay upon your God. Daniel said it well, too. He said, but the people that do know their God, the people that do know their God, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Daniel eleven thirty two. do exploits, mighty acts. Who? The people that know God. So see, it's not knowing the circumstances or the whys or the reasons. 
knowing God. There's no searching of his understanding. You remember the crossing of the Red Sea? I'm sure we all do. We remember the story clearly, I believe. You remember what the Lord told Moses when they're standing before the Red Sea, mountains on both sides, Pharaoh and his Egyptian armies driving hard behind them. They're trapped. They're in an undeliverable position, according to human understanding. You remember what the Lord told Moses? Be still and know that I'm God. Be still, but go forward. Isn't that amazing? That's almost a contradiction, isn't it? How can I be still, God, and go forward? Didn't you tell me to be still? No, God said be still. Know that he's God. Be assured that he's God. But keep going. Why? Because he's God. He's God. You know what keeps Christians going? Going in the darkest times of their lives, under the deepest afflictions and trials? You know what keeps them going? Because they know they're God. They don't need to know the whys and the reasons. They don't need to understand the purpose behind this. They just need to know their God. And that says it all. Dixon, another old Puritan, said this about God in such an amazing quote that I, I really wanted to share it with you in light of this text. He said, and I quote, We see most of God when we view him as incomprehensible. Isn't that amazing? We see most of God when we view him as incomprehensible and see ourselves swallowed up in the thoughts of his perfections. End of quote. Yes, when he's incomprehensible and we're swallowed up in the thoughts of his perfections. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of all the earth. This is my God. Therefore, I must not know the reason why. I must not know an explanation for all of this. I just need to know God. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. Isn't it amazing that in the, in the sense of their fainting and weariness, they said that he doesn't faint, neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. And then he said, he giveth power. To who? The faint. Isn't that amazing? He didn't say he giveth power to the strong. I give power to the faint. You see what he's saying? He's showing them they have to have such an utter dependence upon God that they have no dependence in and of themselves. Our dependence has to be utterly and totally upon God. Same situation three Hebrew children are in. Our God shall deliver us. But... If he doesn't, 
Well, that doesn't make no sense. That isn't great faith. Yes, it is. If he doesn't, we're still not going to. We'll go through the fire with our God. They did not know what was going to happen. They did not know what was going to take place. They did not know that God would deliver them. They didn't know that the fourth person would be walking in the fire with them. They knew none of that. They'd never seen anybody thrown to the fire before. They had no idea what was going to happen. They could have burned up immediately. The circumstance didn't depend or didn't make them dependent on what their decision was. It was their God, their God, knowing their God. It doesn't matter. Job said the same thing. Though he slay me, yet shall I. Right? This is to know God. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Next time we find ourselves in such afflictions, may these words echo in our hearts. Do you know and have you heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of all the earth, fainteth not, neither is he weary. There's no searching of his understanding. He giveth strength to those who faint. Such blessed promises in the midst of such great afflictions. <coughs> may God help us and deliver us in this day and age when our faith is going to be tried. It's already beginning amongst Christians around the world. It's beginning in America, maybe not as severe as it is in other places in the world, but persecution and trials and afflictions are here, and they're on the rise. They're coming. And some of our brethren are already facing some. And sisters, and I pray that we would be an encouragement to them, but may we, as the Word of God declares may we look to him may we know the name of the lord and run into it it is a strong tower the righteous run into it and are safe the name of the lord is a strong tower the righteous run into it and are safe amen god is our refuge and our strength the very present help in time of need amen such wonderful blessings don't be so caught up with the reasons why or the circumstances just concentrate on who your God is. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, now that you would bless the preaching of your word to our hearts. I pray that, Father, Lord, we'd be encouraged by these promises in Isaiah. And, Lord, I pray that this rebuke, this chastising, these chastising words would strike our hearts. Have we not known? Have we not heard? We've known and heard many things. We've read many things. Father, how genuine is our faith? Is it resting in our knowledge of what we've been able to obtain or learn? Or is it resting in God? Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would search us and try us. Psalm 139, the psalmist starts out with you having searched him. Thou hast searched me. And at the end of that psalm, he wasn't sufficient with that. He said, Lord, search me even more and know if there be any way, evil way or wicked way in me. And in the midst of that psalm, how precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they're more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with thee. God, what a wonderful God we have. Help us, Lord God, I pray, to ever look unto Thee. Lord, we ask these things in Your precious name. Amen.